Welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archives shows. It is our goal to make a difference. Uh, so good good day, everyone. Happy Saturday again. Uh, this is Donna Gore, Lady Justice, welcoming you from a uh, brief hiatus from our radio show. And it's very good to be uh, back in the saddle. And I have to say, although a majority of our shows are on the aftermath of crime, Today we are touching upon a, a different type of tragedy, um, more having to do with grief and how we cope with it and how we um, move on in a positive way. So I can definitely relate to what our guest has gone through, and I'm very happy to do that. So, But before we introduce Mary Lee Robinson, I want to say good morning to uh, Delightful Delilah. It's really nice to be back on the show live and in person. And uh, so how how are you? And, um, you know, we're serving up a, a new guest, so to speak, and I, I'm very glad to have her, as I think you are, because you're neighbors. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with all that, Donna. But, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be back live on the air again. And um, it, Although, you know, we were able to get a lot of things accomplished while we're off the air, it's time to get back in the saddle like you said um yeah i i think our guest today i i although i haven't met her yet i'm looking forward to the day when when we can just maybe meet for lunch or whatever but um yeah mary lee robinson is just right up the next town from me here in myrtle beach so i'm happy to have her and happy to get to know her yes and um i just have to say that we had uh, a fairly lengthy conversation a few days ago, and I felt like I knew her for 20 years. So that's that's kind of the nice thing about making new friends and keeping in contact. So without further ado, why don't we bring her in? Um, Mary Lee uh, is, is a person who um, sort of a transplant from a different a different area, and she moved to the South Carolina. <clears throat> Area and unfortunately, um, tragedy of the worst kind befell her with with regard to her her husband passing away suddenly um, from a cerebral hemorrhage. And if if people are not familiar with that term, I'll put on my speech pathology hat. It's a type of stroke where there is bleeding in the brain and died died uh, very suddenly. Uh, my understanding, and she was kind of left at loose ends and. So we're dealing with the aftermath of that kind of tragedy and grief, and I know that my mom went through that um, herself. So she has been on a journey that that um, has been one that I think a lot of people can relate to and has done a lot of things with regard to that and coping. So welcome, Mary Lee. Good morning, and it's wonderful to have you on Shattered Lives. Well, good morning, both of you and to all our listeners. I am just tickled to get to death and honored to be invited to join you on your show. Um, there are a lot of commonalities with with losses from crime as as much as the loss from uh, my husband's death. Having done some study about this, I got my grief coach certification. I learned that any kind of sudden loss is a little more difficult to cope with. Um, no loss is easy, of course, if you lose 
a, a loved one to a long-time illness, that presents a whole different set of problems and challenges. But the one thing that um, people who lose spouses to sudden illness have in common with uh, those who lose loved ones to violent crime is that it's abrupt. You weren't a, you weren't prepared for it. So uh, I have spent the past three years building my own life raft, so to speak, and trying to bring as many people into that raft with me as I can. Mm-hmm. Well, it it sounds as if you have, I mean, it's it's a struggle and it's a, an adjustment. And I guess sort of uh, we'd be interested in the sequence of events and, and um, how, how things, how things evolved. Um, with regard to, uh, can you give us a little bit of a background of your family life and, and what it was like, you know, before your plans to come to South Carolina? Sure. Um, my husband and I had been together and married for about eight years. Both of us were only children, and we had um, six octogenarians between us, uh, between parents and aunts and uncles that we were charged with looking after uh, medically, even if, if it was a distance. Um, but we were the kind of the the vortex of the, the family at that point. We had gotten to the age where things had, things had changed and we were the decision makers. We decided to move to West Virginia from my home and Richard's home of, of Maryland um, to care for his folks and then a few years later that became no longer necessary and we had always wanted to retire to South Carolina Uh, we'd visited many times and loved this this area so we were able to move here we lived on the beach for six brief months while we built a home here and 11 months later yeah, it was great and I'm I'm still in that home and I I just cherish it because I got to to do a lot of input in the design, but um, we'd only been in it a short time when one afternoon he uh, grabbed his cue stick and gave me a peck on the cheek and with a grin on his face went out the door to go play pool with his buddies. And that Mm -hmm. was the last time he left. He um, had a stroke at the pool hall while he was having, uh, while he was in the middle of a game. So he was in ICU for, Five days, but in the emergency room, the neurosurgeon told me that if I had an advanced directive for him, it, it, this was the time to use it. If it was his family, he would use it because there was not going to be a recovery. So mm-hmm. with no one around me, I was handed a decision that I never wanted to make, but I made it and came home and realized that I was really very very much alone. We hadn't been here long enough to make good friends. And my friends from other towns, in many cases, kind of figured that the locals had me, you know, that they had me covered. Well, they didn't. So I spent a very terrible time in the first few months um, coping with all the the emotions as well as the administrative details. But long about three months out, I decided that I must not be the only person in this situation, certainly in a retirement destination. So I formed a widows a club for widows and widowers, and that grew from one member, me, to eight months later, 170 members. So now, I how thought, do you go about forming a group like that when you're, I mean, was that your motivating force? I just have to get outside of myself and I have to meet meet new people, other people. I mean, that sounds like a lot of people. How did you accomplish that? Well, I was driven. Um, yeah. I absolutely had to to get out of the house. I knew I needed to make new friends, and I wanted to find some companions to make that transition along with me. I wanted people to around me who would like to go and do the things that I would have gone and done with my husband. We mm-hmm. have some lovely botanical gardens here. We have a lot of um, really top-notch uh, theater productions here, and I wanted to go enjoy them, but I didn't want to go by myself. And I figured there were other people in, in the same situation. And so the club right. was born. Mm-hmm. And how did you get oh, other Mary people Lee? to join? 
<laughs> okay, ladies, uh, don't fight over me. <laughs> <laughs> we won't fight over you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I I heard a question coming there. I'm not sure what it was. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I was wondering how did you get how did you get from you singular person to 180? What was the, like the vehicle to get all of those? Well, other there's people? there's a wonderful platform online for forming groups. Um, you could form a group for any interest. Um, healthy cooking for people who like to research stocks for just about any interest out there. And I decided that was a good way to gather a group and yet remain um, somewhat safe and secure myself. I wasn't giving my phone number out all over the universe and disclosing my address. But with the firewalls built into the group forming platform, which is called Meetup, note that it's called Meetup, not Hookup, (laughs) um, I I got in the car and took some flyers I'd made up and went around to all the churches in the neighborhood, called on grief counselors, funeral directors, anybody who would listen pretty much. So the referral started coming in from that. And was everyone receptive? Well, no, not everybody, but um, a lot of the – and this is sort of a – uh, sidebar, I think churches have fallen down on the job in caring for the bereaved, particularly widows, but bereaved in general. Um, and they're a re- reflection of our society at large. We sort of tend to think that, you know, you, you go to the funeral and you send a sympathy card and you check on somebody for a week or two and then you're done. Well, right. all of a sudden, you've got somebody whose whole life has been turned upside down and they need a lot more support than that. So um, not everybody was receptive. Some of the churches were aware, some were not. The funeral directors pretty much got it. Um, But, you know, apparently there were, there was a demand because the growth was phenomenal. And our mutual friend Delilah was instrumental in that. We, our friend is a, a local features writer for the paper and she did a couple of stories and um, she, that really helped launch the club. Yeah, that can definitely, oh, definitely sure make a difference. Well, what do you feel? What do you feel? I call this a movement because I think you've created a movement <laughs> that has probably not served just our community, but probably a lot of other communities. And what do you feel like the the best impact of this movement has been, um, you know, for widows and widowers? Well, it's my fondest hope and desire to bring about a change in our culture and return us to some customs that have gone by the wayside. Um, in that regard, I started something about a year ago called the Set an Extra Plate Initiative. And that was an idea that came from my own childhood. Um, I think I mentioned I'm an only child. And for holidays, my mother and dad and I always had random guests. Um, our neighbor across the street, who was a widower, uh, was a frequent guest, as w- were some of the residents at the hospital where my mother worked, who were in town for just a tour and without their family. And it was absolutely normal for us to have a table of eight people, and only three of us were blood-related. And it just stunned me when I found myself alone, and nobody thought to include me for holidays. Nobody thought to reach out to me. So if I could if I could accomplish nothing else, I would like to see the country turn around and remember to include those who are by themselves on the holidays, whether they're single, divorced, um, widowed, what have you, Whatever, out of right. town they or away need, from. Right, they need somebody. Uh, um, Mary Lee, can we talk a little bit about the stigma of widowhood and you know? People have these preconceived ideas that, oh, well, you're you're already taken care of, or maybe when we had chatted, you said that 
that oh oh we we didn't think you would want to be invited when actually it's it's the other people that may feel more uncomfortable than you you would have felt embraced had they invited you or the feeling of being a third wheel i remember my mother saying that too if you're in a couple's relationship and you do things as a couple and then all of a sudden your spouse drops out do they necessarily invite you as that third person you know they don't i remember my mother's frustration in that as well absolutely uh, in fact i had a couple of people specifically say to me oh well i didn't want to phone you to bother interrupt your privacy or your solitude well overnight i had more solitude than i knew what to do with nobody needs to be alone 24/7 and we all need company and friendships, and one of the kindest things you can do for somebody who's grieving is just include the, us. Um, widows experience something that probably uh, family members of, of uh, losses that are a little different, maybe suicide, maybe homicide experience, and that's that we are shunned. People don't know what to say. They think it's a little peculiar they think it's a little awkward, so instead of being being around and being present, they avoid you. Um, I think it was three months before I felt like I was a, I was allowed to talk to a male if I wasn't writing a, writing a check for him to perform a service around the house, cut cut the grass, or you know um, the pest control guy. I, widows. Mm-hmm. I actually saw one. Not a widow. Excuse me. Um, I saw one couple that we had known as as friends grab her husband's elbow and kind of pull him away from me. And like you were a threat to their relationship. How ridiculous! It is, and it, you're right. It's all about their relationship, not me. Um, and I'm particularly uh, well grounded in my faith. Not everybody shares my beliefs, but. I'm pretty darn sure that if God wants another man in my my life, he's not going to give me somebody else's husband. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's let's hope so because your life becomes far more complicated that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? uh, oh, yeah. No more drama. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. No more. You've had you've had enough of that, and I I just I think you know the whole area of grief and how our American culture deals with it very poorly that's i mean we do. do you do you get at that uh with respect to the the book that you have done in the anthology series well truthfully donna the whole point of writing the, the first anthology as well as um i think our project leaders intent on the the grief diary series was to educate the rest of the world about first of all what to expect and then secondly how to how to respond to someone who's grieving how to help someone who's grieving because people are by nature um kind they want to be helpful they they are by nature loving but they they just don't know what to do and shunning and leaving somebody alone is about the worst thing you could do um possibly only second to saying something like, I know how you feel, my dog died, <laughs> which yeah. is something we hear a lot. Um, I know how you feel, my grandmother died. Well, your grandmother is a huge loss, of course, but not like a spouse or a child. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, 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 it's apples and oranges. With, with yeah. Well, you can that. touch a little bit, for the benefit of our listeners, maybe touch a little bit in your experience with, with different types of, of grief from different types of loss, what what are the differences there? What have you seen, like, for someone who's lost a spouse or someone who's lost a loved one to, due to homicide or suicide? Do you see the way that someone grieves a little different or, or not? There are nuances that are different. Um, those that have lost a mate to a long illness tend to beat themselves up a little more, uh, I think. Um, They wish they had done more. They wish they had 
not left him for the afternoon. They wish they had talked to the doctors differently. Um, but there's also sort of a sense of relief, which is quite normal in the conclusion of a very long illness. Um, caretaking can be a real burnout. Um, and in some ways, it's not fair to say that people who are are involved in a, a long-term illness start their grieving early. That's not quite accurate, but it's not quite as unexpected. Um, those who are left behind from suicides are left with a, a different set of emotions. Anger is particularly prevalent with those folks, understandably. Um, it seems like a personal affront to lose someone to suicide. You, it's it's not true, but it feels like they're slapping you in the face that you you weren't enough to keep them here on earth. And uh, survivors of suicide wrestle with that. Um, I have not honestly encountered many victims of of homicide loss, but it's abrupt. And then there's the horror of of just so many of the details around that. And I would think that there's a great deal of anger and frustration and a terrible experience of having to relive some of that as you go through the legal process. I can tell you all about that, Mary Lee. <laughs> I, I kind of thought you might be an expert on That's that. That's right. And read my book, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, I have it downloaded. Well, well good. Um, do you feel like, um, I know we talked a bit about um, you becoming certified as as a as a grief coach. Can you explain to our audience what that is and what your motivation was and how you're using that perhaps as a tool? Well, first of all, there have been lots of people throughout my life who thought I was certifiable to begin with, <laughs> and now okay. it's official. Yep. But um, as I as I progressed through this journey that became something of a mission, I thought it would probably be a good idea to have some education and some credentials behind me. I don't do one-on-one grief counseling. It that would with what I'm doing already, that would just be too draining. It does take a lot out of you to hear other people's pain. Um right. but I wanted to get my grief certification grief coach certification so that in my posts and my writings and my my conversations with others who've had loss, I did no harm. I wanted to know enough about the psychology of grief and the 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 studied um, field of what really does help and what doesn't. And what really does help, you learn instantly when you're a griever, but it is so contrary to what our society believes. The absolute best thing you can do for somebody is to say, I'm sorry, and then stop and shut up. Because anything you say <laughs> after that is not likely to be real helpful. I, I'm sorry. Listen, I love you. Right? And listen just listen. Give that, a hug, right? maybe, um, right. and just be there. And you know, it's uncomfortable, but hug somebody when they're crying, or hug somebody when they're retelling the story of for the twelfth time of how their husband brought them flowers on their their last anniversary. One of the things that grievers need to do most to heal is mm-hmm. to talk. And right. you can't talk, really, unless you have somebody who will listen. So one of the most healing things you can do, and I would think this is true for um, other traumatic losses, is just be there for that person and listen to them, spend time with them. And occasionally, if um, things are coming along nicely, Invite them out to dinner or to a show or to go antiquing for an afternoon. We all need to come up for air from our grief from time to time. And as time goes on, you come up more and more and resume uh, more of a routine social schedule. But everybody needs to, to get a break from that. And I would be the first one to tell you that in the aftermath of a loss, maybe a month, two months, three months down the road, Invite a griever to a comedy show. It's it's 
not oh that's all too scary i think for people to even contemplate <laughs> right probably but it's not a sin to laugh you know our mm-hmm. loved ones want us to go on and they want us to heal and one of the most healing things second to listening is laughing so right. i would encourage people to not be uncomfortable with that to find that as normal and and facilitate that because it's it can be very very helpful um, yeah, i think that's great advice i always used to say um when i was writing some of my homicide blogs um i have one that says the the christmas casseroles or the casseroles stopped after two weeks and you know pretty it's much the same kind of thing you know and then okay you're supposed to be over with that okay let's get on with work let's get on with everything else and it just does not happen like that the same Doesn't thing work with that the way. kubler ross uh, stages of grief well it's not like a stair step you do one you do two three, you do three you go backwards you know you so it's you know it's not in a, in a line. Um, there's a yeah. lot of back and forth, and you're just reinforcing you know everything that I know and I believe. And like I say, it doesn't matter how your loss occurred, but this is so true. And but you you know what I I'd like to spend a little more time on, but, but because sure. this set an extra plate is such is such a wonderful idea. I can relate to this. And we talked about this on the phone. As a single person, without children, without uh, without a partner, and without you know, with family who does you know their own separate things, and we don't necessarily connect except maybe maybe on major holidays, if we're lucky. So I can relate to that sense of the isolation, being alone, um, you know, for some of these things, and especially people who have disabilities regardless of how involved they are or how functional they are or are not, there's that sense of isolation. So we would need these things as well. And Absolutely. I know that food is always a great gathering, whether it's in your in the workplace, if you bring food, people will show up. If you, <laughs> That's true. You know, if you bring food, you have a party, and you know you're going to have food, people will show up. Let's talk about that, the importance of food and how the uh, set an extra plate and maybe your your group meetings, what's the dynamics of it? And is it a party atmosphere? Is it a support group? What is it, Mary Lee? Well, there are actually two different things, Donna, but um, the set an extra plate initiative is aimed at at families and couples and singles all over the country who are planning holiday get-togethers to remind them to include people who are not family members. Um, Okay. The title of my book, my first book, was The Widow or Widower Next Door. And that's kind of a key um, starting point with the Set an Extra Plate initiative. Look next door. Look down the street. Look on your block. Look at work. Look in your church and see who is by themselves and may not have anyone to celebrate with. And ask them to your house. Ask them to join your family. I occasionally get people who will tell me, well, I couldn't do that. My family's crazy. I have a little secret for you. Yeah. Widows and widowers and disabled people and singles and divorcees all come <laughs> from crazy families, too. Um, You're so right. <laughs> And it's my my contention that the odds are pretty good that if you have a non-blood, uh, non-family member as one of your guests, probably everybody's going to behave a little better. So it could just <laughs> elevate the party to a really nice level. That was my experience growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you serve on paper plates with with plastic cups or you bring out grandma's china, it really doesn't matter. It's about breaking bread together and sharing a a holiday and a celebration and company and exchanging um, fellowship that is so important and so devoid in the lives of people who live alone or um, maybe suddenly in circumstances that they never bargained for. Right. I, I just think it's so giving and enriching, and I really appreciate people who have done that when I've gone to South Carolina by myself, including, including Delilah. So I want to say thank you, Delilah, 
for making me part of your 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 family. It's it's very very nice to be included when you are somewhere by yourself and you feel a sense of of well inclusion. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's a, a person's home or an organization. Uh, give you know giving plugs earlier today for the the Q Center for the missing of which I am a a big part, and that is another surrogate family. So we're constantly you know, building building these networks. We are. Of, um, you know, and 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 I think it's like a big tapestry that we're building, and no person is mm-hmm. alike, and we all have our strengths and weaknesses and our good points and bad points, and that's what makes life wonderful about the diversity and the fact that we can connect. Maybe we don't connect on every level. But certainly we don't, but we, we can connect on those commonalities and I think it makes for a great life, and I'm sure you miss your husband terribly, but yet you are filling your life with those enriching activities. And can I just say one thing here? I I wanted to let people know, and this is not to take anything away from you, Mary Lee, but another person who was a big major star in New York and Hollywood, Joan Rivers, did something uh, yeah. that was very similar to this. If you go to the PBS.org, you will see a two-hour special on her life. And she always did this on Thanksgiving in her big apartment in New York. And it was, you know, she pulled out all the stops and, you know, money was not an issue. And there must have been 100 people. And she talked about the joy she had by including singles, divorced people that didn't have anyone. And part of that show is setting up exactly a set an extra plate so i just wish you would have known her and you, you two could have gone, gotten together and done great things but you, you are carrying on this legacy so I, I think it's great so everyone go to as well as read mary, mary lee's books but go in and look at the pbs special too because it will warm your heart this is what life is about to open your heart and to share what you have and it, it, like like you said, it doesn't have to be on your finest china. It, you can yeah. go and do a Chinese takeout or whatever it is, right? Absolutely. Joan Rivers right. also was um, was probably inspired by the same reasons I was. Her husband committed suicide, so she was yes. widowed. And yes. she had known the pain of, of losing a spouse, and I suspect even with her deep and, and intriguing network, I imagine she found herself alone more times than she would like. Um, when my husband and I were together, this is something we did just because it was something that I grew up with. And uh, we would have holidays at our home and include our relatives, but we also invited neighbors who were by themselves and people from church. And our parties were always better for it. We, the people that we invited may have been isolated, but they lived rich lives and they had wonderful stories to tell. And mm-hmm. we would have missed that if we had just kept it to family and relations only. And I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Um, the other thing about it that's really nice is, you know, everybody thinks about the the Thanksgiving kitchens and the soup kitchens and the outreaches to um troubled youth, and those are all wonderful and fine things, but it doesn't cost hardly anything to sit an extra plate at your house. It doesn't cost you any extra time and very little extra money. So it's, it's almost sad if you don't do it because not only will, will families miss out and, um, the, the, strays of our lives and the people who are alone miss out, but there will be traditions that are not handed down. And that that kind of harkens back to a time when um, everybody knew a little better what to do when there was a loss in the community. They circled the wagons much better than we do now. We're a disconnected, disjointed society, and and we sort of tend to think that, you know, that's somebody else's problem. Well, it's everybody's problem because one day it's going to be you and you're going to want that kind of support. So I'm a big believer in in paying it forward, and that's a way to pay it forward. 
Right. And don't you think also, Mary Lee, that that is a way that we we prepare the next generation in, in Absolutely. how to handle these kind of things? Because obviously we're not going into schools and teaching it as a class, so children don't know. So children grow up to be adults that don't know how to handle it. So if they see these types of uh, interactions within their own home and, and their own families as they're growing up, it's something that they're going to take along, and it's it's a preparation, actually, um, to learn how to grieve properly. Indeed, and right. that's a. I have several soapbox points. I could I can do soapbox speeches probably for three hours on small topics, <laughs> but that's one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that we've become a society who who has become removed from death because now people are hospitalized and then put in nursing homes, which is not an entirely bad solution. That's a soapbox number 37, but um, hospice. And death is not as close as it used to be. It used to occur right in the community, often at home, and the, the final rituals of life were often performed right in the home. The casket was in the parlor and people came to the house and it was accepted that death was a normal part of life because it is. And now we have uh, a whole couple generations who think that nobody's ever supposed to die and we're going to legislate it away. But I have one friend who's a nurse who lost her husband fairly early. He was in his mid to late 50s and her grown daughter turned to her and said, but mom, this only happens in other families. Sweetie, guess again. No, it you know, yeah. it's going to happen to everyone eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I'll give you some statistics that are a little startling. Most people don't realize that the average age of to be widowed in the United States is age 59. Wow, it's really? not 59. it's not 70, it's not 80, it's not 90, it's 59. Um so obviously since that's an average it occurs earlier and uh for all the reasons that that anyone passes away. Um most widows do not find themselves married widows and wealthy, but they have their incomes reduced significantly. Um I certainly can speak to that one. When um, your spouse passes, pensions are reduced. Um, you may or may not be able to collect Social Security benefits in, for some time. Um, the average widow lives on anywhere from 25000 to $50,000 a year, which in these days is not a lot of money. No, not um, at all. Most of our, our social networks fall away. I heard a uh, statistic today, I think it may be a little high, but the uh, statistic by the um, person who founded widowshope.org quoted 75% of your friends will leave. Well, that may 75? be a little little high, but it, I would I'd put it more at 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, there, my some of my oldest and dearest friends were nowhere to be found. Uh, I had a, a dear friend of 40 years, who had been my matron of honor when my husband and I got married. And while she lives in another state, I called and told them that he had died. I got a sympathy card, and she finally called me four months later. She'd been busy. And did you pick back up and have you? That's what I'm wondering. After, like you say, three years or whatnot, have people circled back and felt like, okay, now I feel comfortable about approaching Mary Lee or as an example? A very small handful have. But what is wonderful is that a whole different set of people have walked into my life who are absolutely marvelous. Um, some of them are old, old friends that I hadn't been in touch with for many years. I've reconnected with some of the people I went to high school with that I hadn't talked to in, again, 30 or 40 years, and they have been tremendously supportive. I've also made new friends here in Myrtle Beach, and mm-hmm. it's sort of 
it's a an awkward analogy, but a, a policeman friend of mine explained to me that drug dealers can sort of find each other without a directory. They just sort of gravitate towards one another. And <laughs> yes. people people with losses are sort of the same way. You just there must be a look in our eyes. We instantly know. Oh yeah, I get you. I I really get you. And so I've been surrounded by people who are have either had um, deep loss themselves or just inherently very empathetic people. But I have some of the finest people I've ever known that I'm in contact with on a regular basis now. So that's a blessing. Well, well that's wonderful. I think this area, too, is, you know, when you have so many transplants from other places, and we we do. I mean, it's very difficult to find someone anymore who was born and raised here. So right. most of us came from somewhere else, and we all have our own stories, and we all came for our own reasons. But it's also, I've noticed in the last 10, 12 years, it's really becoming a hot retirement area. Absolutely. And Right there again, that lends itself to to the situation that that you were in, Mary Lee. That um, you know, a husband and a wife come here with great expectations, and one of them leaves uh, suddenly um, for whatever for whatever reason. It doesn't even have to be death. I've seen you know people who have been married thirty years. They split up after they get here and buy their dream house. So. For whatever reason, they're left alone, and I do see tons and tons of um, older singles groups that are out there for whatever reason you want to be in in a group. Um, They're there, and it's just a matter of us getting out that front door and joining. Right. Mm -hmm. Although I have to brag on um, my locals a little bit, and without disclosing where either one of us lives specifically, I'm a little further inland than you are, Delilah. And my greatest support has come from the locals that have been here four and five generations. Those people have been very, very kind to me. Maybe because oh, it's kind of a small town mental. It's, mm-hmm. it's a smaller town, old-fashioned mentality, but mm-hmm. it survived because it works. It's very, very effective, and they've been very loving and very welcoming. And even though I don't talk as though I've been in South Carolina all my life. They've embraced me anyway. Well, that's, so, that's I have to, very I have to good because I will be with you. <laughs> I will be there in the same situation one of these days. And there you go. So that's very, it's very nice to know. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about it. This is just fascinating. I'm loving this uh, content that um, with regard to the makeup of the of the two uh, social clubs that you have and what, how they formed and what um, person's expectations should be and what they do and what they don't do and your, your hopes for the future for those clubs. Well, it's, uh, the clubs both reflect the widowed population generally, and that's about uh, 75, 25. Women tend to outlive men, so we have – for every three to four widows, we have uh, a widower. And I set both clubs up with clear messages that they were not dating groups. They were not about finding romance all over again, although if that happens, that's wonderful. But that's not the focus of the group. And it's been my experience that both the widows and the widowers, to my surprise, are not looking for that. They're they generally are fairly um, new at being widowed, maybe a year to two years out, and they're just trying to find their way and coming. They're probably coming out of the numbness stage of their grief, and that takes a while. It's not. Um, it's been forty eight hours. You're okay now, right? It's more like <laughs> more like a year to eighteen months. Um, but at that point, you want to you want to resume stepping back into the living, and you just need some some companions to do that with, and that's what the groups are about. And that's because I have a pretty strong message of of or mission statement. The people who have shown up are, by and large, 
there because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for companionship and friendship and and fellowship and um, a way to to explore their interests with people who share those interests. The groups were set up so that we did some things in common. Um, dinners are popular, but they're not the only thing. And there are people who like to go antiquing. There are people who like to uh, watch sports. There are people who like to do day trips. And I make an effort to to do a little bit of all of those. And I also am hopeful that people split off into some friendships, you know, um, pair up as friends or get a trio of of ladies who are friends or fellows or what have you. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's wholesome. I've also mm-hmm. discovered that people tend to cycle in and out again out of the groups as they find their footing. They make some friends and they make some connections and they gain confidence in going out places and doing things on their own without somebody at their side when they walk out the front door. And once that confidence is is grown, then they're much more able to engage in the rest of the non-grieving community. So I never expected it would be a a club full of people who stuck together through thick and thin for the next 50 years. And that's shown to be the case for the most part. There are some people who've stayed uh, for the duration, which is only three years at this point. But, um, you know, if that's what they like, that's great. But a lot of people tend to drift away because they're they're healing and they're getting stronger and they're growing and they're getting happier. And that was kind of the whole point. Now, is the focus um, activity-based or is it partially support group or discussion or just so that we get a sense of what this is? It's almost exclusively activity-based. Um, okay. In my experience, in most areas, and I've done some research on this, but not some of the rural, more rural communities may not find that to be true, but most areas, grief counselors and grief support is available, either through grief counselors in standalone practices or through the funeral homes or through church groups. What was missing were companions to go do things with, not mm-hmm. to sit around and cry in their beer constantly about with. Um, it was what was missing was a group of people in a similar situation who wanted to find new interests and new friends and have a good time and and enjoy laughing. And if somebody has a meltdown once in a while and gets a little uh, melancholy. They're in a group of people who understand that. It's yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we definitely try and focus on getting out and doing things and having fun and and having some laughs. In fact, apparently it's working because on at least three occasions, I've been out with a group and had uh, people at adjacent tables come up to us and say you all are having so much fun. What group is this? I want to join. <laughs> we all burst out laughing going, no, this is a club nobody wants to join. <laughs> and yeah. Trust me, you don't want to join this. Um, and that is a rule. You have to have lost uh, a spouse for this particular group. You know, the divorcees are a different group, and they have their own um, needs and, and and activities. But in order to belong to the widows or widowers next door, you must have lost a, a life partner because it's an experience that's very unique. Right. Um, Is it open to anyone in Horry County or South Carolina? And if so, uh, can they get in contact with you about it, uh, about joining? Actually, it's open to anyone who's physically present. We have some snowbirds who come. And if you're not your readers or your listeners aren't familiar with the term snowbirds, are people from the north who come down during the winter to get away mm-hmm. from the ice and cold. But um, there are no limitations in that respect. But it is a a group that meets physically. It's not an online support group. And we've had some some folks who wandered in by mistake thinking that was the case. Um, anyone who wants to participate can find the group on Meetup.com. And just search meetup.com, the widow or widower next door, and that'll turn up 
with the uh, the current group that's recruiting. And I would be tickled to death because this one launched about the first of the year, so we're growing. Is there a perfect number to have for this, or do you desire to have as many as many people as are interested? Well, I think the way to handle that is um, all are welcome. There's not going to – I do not foresee a, a, a cutoff in membership so much as maybe – starting sub-chapters or new chapters in different geographic areas. If there's enough demand for uh, and people who want to attend events and the, the venues are outgrowing the number who want to come, we'll just split off and start another group. Um, sure. It's, it's, it's really pretty simple to do that. And it's my dream that one day there will be widow and widower next door clubs all over the country because I really think that there are an awful lot of areas that don't have anything like this. Mm-hmm. Is there a fee associated with it? There is because it be, I, the first one I I footed the bill for all the materials and the website myself. I can't do that anymore. It's, it's gotten too costly, but the dues are at the moment $25 a year and that helps underwrite the cost of recruiting materials um, hosting the website and press releases and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, good. And then, and then you have the you know activities that you do, and I, I just I think it's wonderful, and you're fulfilling a a great well, need. You. you also, um, I wanted maybe to touch on the uh, a little more about uh, about the Grief Diaries book as well as the venture with the with the morning rings. Can you talk about that, Mary Lee? Well, all of those can be found on my my website, including my near daily blog, uh, where I post articles about grief, uh-huh. and that's at widsnextdoor.com. Um, you will find the Grief Diaries books, my um, first book, The Widower, Widower Next Door: Twenty Five Widows and Widowers Answer Twenty Five Questions About Their Journey. Some of the questions and some of the answers are really quite surprising, and then I also feature morning rings, which are an alternative to wearing your wedding set or wearing nothing. Um, A lot of us get pressured to take our rings off, which I think is absolutely insane. But there was no alternative. There was no half measure, no half step. So I found a wonderful lady by the name of Diane Sapp who designed a collection of morning rings to honor our spouses. And it just so happens she lives... 15 miles from where I grew up. I found her on yeah. the internet. And so serendipity occurs often, doesn't it, Delilah? <laughs> um, there's proximity yeah. with people you're supposed to be near. Um, so the morning rings are inexpensive costume jewelry, but with meaningful designs. Uh, some of them are hearts. Some of them involve birthstones. Um there's one that's a, a uh, forget-me-not little little bowed bow knot. Um, there's probably about 20 different designs. But that's one of the several things that I am working on to just pave the way and make the world a little easier place to live in for widows and widowers. Yeah. So it sounds like you have just like me, you have like your your fingers in many in many pots here and but they all relate in 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 a wonderful way in terms of, you know, giving giving widows and widowers widowers what they need. And I, I you know, again I think it's a, a wonderful venture. Um let's before we close, we have about five minutes or so just to let you know. Right, Delilah? Sometimes my clock is off a little bit. Is that correct? Yeah, you're fine. You've got about 540. Okay. Yeah. Um, we talked about, you know, I always like to, to tell guests that, you know, this is another form to, to convey a national national message. And um, I know you had many of them, but there's a couple in particular. Can we just articulate articulate what you're two important messages would be that you want 
our audience to take away from today's discussion? And if we haven't delved into it, more, you know, in depth, what would you like them to know? First and foremost is not to shy away from grievers, to be there for us, listen to us, um, just be present. Being present is the biggest gift you can give. And don't be afraid to say the wrong thing, although there are some wrong things to say. If they are said with love, we'll we'll forgive you for that. Um, it's harder to forgive the complete desertion. And if your listeners want more detail on that, uh, Linda Shel- Sheldon Fell, who organized the Grief Diaries, both your book and my books, is coming out this month with a wonderful guide for those who surround grievers, whether it be suicide, normal death, or homicide. The title of that one is The Grief Diaries, um, How to Help the Newly Bereaved. And it's a wonderful way to learn from grievers themselves what they found helpful and what they found supportive and what was not so much. Um, And it's hitting Amazon, I think, um, probably in a few days. It will also eventually be on my website, thewoodnextdoor.com. But um, the series of the Grief Diaries books and their like are numbering about 20 now, I think, of which, Donna, you were involved with one that's coming Mm -hmm. out soon. Um, And they're, they're wonderful life guides for handling some of life's worst situations some of the life's most painful situations. So I would encourage your listeners to delve into those. Like my first book, they're all anthologies. They're uh, the work of many writers. So you get different perspectives on a single topic. And while nobody's journey is exactly the same, there are some common threads. Yeah. And, again, that's a very unique venture. And I'm I'm really hopeful, and it sounds like the – the first books that have been published have been doing very well. And if you, you yes. know, if you get the right format, whether it be your public library or I don't know if your local Barnes and Noble are, are as welcoming because it's a corporate thing, but um, I'm sure I'm going to have to be delving into that, that dilemma. But with Linda's help, um, I'm sure that all of these are so needed and so is your information. So I I want to encourage everyone to, share this podcast because it's very valuable information in what you have to offer. And um, uh, Mary Lee, I'm just going to tell you, when I come back to South Carolina, I'm coming to your house for dinner, so set an extra plate. I will be glad to okay. do that. I can't wait till you get here. Um, oh, I don't cook as often now, but when I put my mind to it, I'm not too shabby. We'll see, make sure that you're well fed. Well, good. <laughs> And set one for July with you. <laughs> we, well, sorry, Donna, okay. but I may have to do that sooner than when I meet I you know, in person. <laughs> the two of you get together, and then you can tell me all about it, you know. July, that sounds have, good. Have some, some parting um, thoughts that you would like to, to impart to our audience before we close out? Me? Uh, well, I just think this is such an important topic. It's not something yes. that you know, that anyone is going to go through life and not experience. You will. You will experience it at one point during your life. So, you know, it's it's important information to listen to, and I think the books that Mary Lee has written um, should be in every family's bookcase just to, to make those physical and psychological preparations for when that day comes. Well, thank you. Yeah, because it is going to happen, and you have to be prepared to to know what to do because you don't want to hurt people un, unintentionally. Uh, you want to try to make your your path and their path as you know as smooth and comfortable, given the bumps in life, and and that's why you're doing what you're doing. It's so very important, and I and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for for uh, agreeing to appear. And now that we're you know. Uh, symbiotic authors uh, I'm sure that we'll keep our connection Mary Lee and, um, I would certainly uh, think so and, and yes. thank you so very much for the opportunity it's been oh, a lot of fun talking it, it certainly is our pleasure and we hope you have a 
a good rest of the weekend. And everyone, please be sure to circulate this show, and we'll be sure to, to pass it on in social media. Okay, and uh, Delilah, you have a, a pleasant weekend yourself, okay? Thank you, and you too, Donna. Okay, good, we'll see you next show. week on the radio, everyone. Um, be sure to go to imaginepublicity.com or Saturday Live.